Welcome to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Podcast in Scottsdale, Arizona. We are Christian Disciples in Mission. Most of us have an image of Jesus doing good works, being the mirror of the Father in, in, here on earth, and we know that he's a good man. And it's amazing that even this good man named Jesus has people that are against him and that are angry with him and even seek to have him killed. Often they're scribes or even Pharisees found in the scriptures. But today we need to be careful that we do not paint a brush widely on all scribes and Pharisees. Pharisees were well-loved by many people, including Jesus. And in fact, he and the Pharisees would see eye to eye on many things. Scribes were the same way too, that there are some that he really liked, but in any group there are people who go to the extreme, who become very rigid, and because of ego or jealousy or other issues, they become Jesus' enemy. And that's very common and hard for us to understand. How can Jesus have such people be against him? In today's gospel, though, we see something good. A scribe who really has a great conversation with Jesus and really seeks to learn from the teacher and ask him a question that is very common in the Jewish world today. Talking about and asking a question, which is the greatest of all the commandments? What would you say? So in the Course, Jesus responds with one that is called the Shema, something very familiar with all Jews that comes in the Old Testament that we heard in our first reading. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is Lord alone, and to love him with all your entire being, as it has said in the Scriptures. That's the greatest, and most rabbis, teachers, and Jewish people would say that. So he does something that's very common. But Jesus does something that's very interesting. He takes another commandment, a commandment called loving neighbor. He's not the first rabbi or teacher to do that ever. But here's what's different. He takes the greatest commandment, loving God above all things, and he takes love of neighbor, which is a lesser commandment. And he puts them together to make them one, but also just as great. That is unbelievable for people then to say, wow, because he challenges Israel's understanding of who neighbor is. Israel would say it, someone who's a Jew, a fellow countryman. The Jews loved everyone, and they understood that. But to have someone be a neighbor, there was a little different. And Jesus says, wait a minute, in order to show that you love God and that you're completely in his grasp of loving him, you must show it by love of neighbor. And Jesus tells us who is neighbor. Neighbor is everyone. And so when we say love your neighbor as yourself, it's the mindset that says just as you love yourself, everyone should be treated as family. Now that doesn't mean you're going to have warm feelings like you do for special people in your life. But love means what is good. You want what is good for the other and for their well-being. And so Jesus does that very clearly. In the ancient Mediterranean world, group, people would be looking for groups to be part of. Once they understood that God should be loved alone, they looked for groups to be part of that had that same goal. 
Whatever group was there said God was first. God alone should be love above all things. And people would join such group. Today, we would see it as the roots of our community, that really no one is invited to live love of God alone, that we're in this together, that salvation is always communal. God's grace is always communal. God's revelation to humanity is always communal. And so in that roots is we are part of a community. And today, with these three feast days in the church, we get an understanding that community isn't only here on earth, but the community never dies because now there's a community also in heaven. Our loved ones who have died, they are living and praying and serving with us from heaven. And so the church on earth, that's you and I, and the church in heaven grow in community. That's why these three feast days are very important. The first one would be Halloween. Unfortunately, we Christians, some Christians have allowed society to take it over and make it really what's not the intent of it, and some Christians overreact to that. Huh? This is our feast day. All Hallows Eve means what? Hallowed means holy. Eve means the vigil, the night before. And so it is the day before All Saints Day. Now here's what Jews and Catholics have in common. That once the evening of tonight starts, once the sun goes down, no longer is it Halloween, but it's All Saints Day. That's why we start our feast days the evening of that before the actual day. So when you go to convents or monasteries or praying or anyone that prays in the church, it starts in the evening. Some of us would say, well, Saturday night mass at 4.30 at St. Patrick's are for those who have to work or they don't want to get up early or they want to watch NFL football all day. So the church says, it's better to have you here than not. That's not true. It's Sunday. 4.30 on Saturday, it's Sunday. Huh? And the church always begins at sundown at that time to say it's the new day. And so when your trick-or-treaters come tonight and look at you, don't say Happy Halloween. Say Happy All Saints Day. Huh? Starts that evening. That'll freak them out. Huh? <laughs> but you know, the reason why this is important to us is that, first of all, Christians always have death in front of us. It always reminds us that there's going to be a time that we're going to meet the Lord face to face. And our rites and our prayers are beautiful. And it's reminding us not to be afraid. In fact, when those who dressed as uh, ghosts or goblins or whatever, really the history goes that we mock evil. That we mock things that make us afraid. Because Jesus Christ has power over that. So we don't have to think that it belongs to the devil's night, and some people can do that, but Christians don't have to believe that. This is our night that we come together. And we remember not only our death coming, but those who've come before us as we prepare to celebrate All Saints Day. When I was a boy growing up in Safford, my brother and sisters and all the neighbors would go Halloween trick-or-treating. Now, with a store, before they, now they give you go, you want plastic or paper, we used to just get paper, and the, and the grocery bags were this big. That's what we used to go to every town in Safford, every house in Safford, to get candy. Huh? 
And we loved it. And so we dressed up and we went there and we all look, oh, great, oh, that house is good. Go over, let's go again. You know, we get all the candy. So we lived right next to the church pretty much, about a block away. Hey, the convent is there and the light's on. Let's go see what the sisters have. I'm sure they got good stuff. So we go over there and the sister, oh, who are you? And they talk to us very nice. They know who we are. And then all of a sudden they give us these little cookies with a little paper stuck in them. And so they put them in, and we look, eh, all right, you know. And so when we go home, you throw all your candy on the floor. And when mom's not looking, you know, you just kind of eat it all away there. And it wasn't until a few days later when I finally ran out of candy that I said, oh, yeah, this is from the nuns. And so I looked at the cookie with a piece of paper, and I took it out, and I remembered what the nuns said, that whoever's name you have there, pray for him. I thought, what's that about? So I opened up two of them. And I still remember to this day who I'm supposed to pray for. John F. Kennedy and Martin Luther King. Yeah. And I thought, today, I didn't take it back then. I thought, gee, cheap nuns. <laughs> today, I say, the nuns got it. They understood that. That it was remembering the community that has gone before us. And that we're not afraid of death. But that our rites and rituals and our theology speak that we will live with God. And, even, and we can be afraid. It's understandable. You're not committing a sin if you're afraid. But all our rites and rituals and our theology want to bring comfort to all people. And so we begin then with the Feast of All Saints Day, which is November 1st. Since it falls on a Monday, we can celebrate it here a little bit with you today. And all saints then are those who have gone before us and are models of faith. Some of them are probably ones that are, we officially recognize. They can be called patron saints. That's what I love about patron saints. They're people who live their lives, but they model to us. And so patron saints are assigned to different things in human beings. So if you're an accountant or work for IRS, St. Matthew is your patron saint. If you're a doctor, a physician, St. Luke is your patron saint. If you have needing healing of the eyes or you want good eyes, you pray and ask and tug on the cloak of, of uh, St. Barbara. Huh? Now, if you're having bowel problems, you go to St. Bonaventure, poor guy. I don't know how he ended up with that, huh? You know, but all the saints really tug. And, and really, that's kind of what we do on earth. Could you pray for my grandma? Could you pray for my child? Can you pray for a big test I come up? Notre Dame's got a big game this week. Can you pray for them, you know? We do that automatically. So we don't worship saints and pray to them, but we tug on them to remember they've lived our, the lives that we live. Now, probably the newest saint in heaven is uh, St. Father Mark Harrington. Because I don't know how the Braves are doing good right now, but his Braves are about to win it all, and so it's not fair, Father Mark, I don't know. But the saints do, and we tug on them. But they are part of a community that cares for us as well. When uh, I was at Sunny Slope, um, and Notre Dame Prep, our school here, known as the Saints, uh, began, opened up, and one of our first games against them was at the old Scottsdale Community College Stadium. And so we played against them, and in this one particular play, we sent our running back up the middle, and he was tackled by about five or six Notre Dame players. The PA announcer didn't know what to say, like who made the tackle. There's too many to say what number and who named the name. So eventually the PA announcer went, tackle made by a community of saints. 
So I turned to my pagan coaches and I said, see, even theology can happen in football, huh? But yeah, there's a community that watches over us. How about saints that you've known? We've all known saints. Saints don't have to be holy or live really reverent lives 24-7, meaning that they're no fun and they just pray 24-7. They're real human beings, but sometimes the saints that you and I have known have done saintly moments. Maybe they struggle with personal issues in the life. Maybe they're not always at their best. But when crisis come or when there's a need, they step forward. Their lives change because they take care of a sick family member. Sometimes their life change because they become a leader in the family when things are falling apart. Maybe what they do is they just do an amazing thing for the neighborhood or for someone in need. And even though you say, man, they're hard to live with, they're really difficult, they're not always nice, but at that particular point, they did something saintly. We remember those people too. And so the saints then watch over us, we tug on them, but to know they are models and examples, and we celebrate that every November 1st. November 2nd, which is on a Tuesday this year, is what we call All Souls Day. Why should we remember those who have died? They're gone. Well, Scriptures reminds us that we remember them because the community is alive and well, because the church is not only on earth, but the fulfillment will be in heaven. But it exists right now. And we are in communion with all your deceased loved ones. That's why we've asked you to brought, bring pictures here today as we bless them. Everyone knows I've talked many times about angels. How many angels do you see underneath our altar here? How many? Three, yeah. Three's a big number. Three doors to come in, three parts of the altar, three chairs over there, three sides of our tabernacle. That's the Trinity. All throughout there is that unity of Father, Son, and Spirit. Now, the reason that these angels are underneath is that simultaneously today, when you and I partake of the heavenly food, because that's what our theology of Catholicism teaches, heavenly food will be presented at this table here today, and at the same time, the church in heaven eats what we're eating. Why do we think that our loved ones who have died are just twiddling their thumbs waiting until we die? They're alive, eating with us. And so a lot of times we get upset because people don't go to church, it's not in their timetable, they don't see the need, they're sometimes not welcome. There's a whole host of issues there. But you know what? Here's what we have to remember. This is heavenly food. The foretaste of heaven, the foretaste of the life to come is here and now. You don't have to wait until you die. And the church has beautiful rites, beautiful funeral rites that speak not only of death, but of resurrection and God being merciful. One of the most powerful lines that I'm going to say today that comes from the Roman Missal, and it's my most favorite line in all of the Roman Missal of our prayers of our Catholic faith, and it's this, give kind admittance to your people into your kingdom. That's my most favorite line. The purpose of the church is to pray for everyone, and we do that every Sunday. And we always pray for the dead. You have never been to a Mass that has never, ever forgotten to pray 
for the dead. We do all the time. And you know, we just don't pray for Catholics. We just don't pray for perfect people. We just don't pray for parishioners. If you listen closely to the rites and rituals of our Catholic faith, we pray for every living person, whether they're another Christian from a different uh, faith tradition, whether they're Jew or Hindu or even atheist or whoever they are, we ask God to be pleased with their life. For whoever's life was pleasing to you, God, accept them. That's the role of the church. That's our duty. That's our call. That's the most beautiful thing you Christians do, is you pray for everyone who's died. And you in your prayer, no matter who you are, what you do, where you think your faith level is at, you and I pray for everyone who's died every time we gather together in prayer. And we ask God to be merciful and give kind admittance to everyone who's gone before us. God handles the rest because faith, our faith is only known to him. But you know what? We do our part as well. And so today, I'm going to pray over the pictures, the photos that many of you have brought. Thank you for doing that. Others, you may have them at home. If you're watching online, you may want to have the pictures there. And the Mass is always on demand, so you may want to send it to loved ones later who have lost loved ones. This year, many people have lost loved ones through death. And so that's why we present them up here to, to, to be with you here. But remember, people of all faiths and all who don't believe look for the Catholic Church for three things. We are experts in three things, and whether you believe or not doesn't matter, but all the world looks for Catholic for three things. First of all, our understanding of death and resurrection, our rituals. Exorcism is the second thing. I've had a lot of people who are Christian or not who have dealings with really scary things. They know the church is their last resort, how to deal with exorcism. And the third thing is football. Okay? They always look... <laughs> for the church to football. Those are the three things that we're good at, that the whole world looks at no matter who they are. And so at this time, I'm going to offer our prayers. So if you have your pictures with you, you can hold them up in just a moment, or just think of your loved ones that are here today. And again, you may want to send the Mass later on this week, which is on demand, to loved ones, that they can pray and have their photos of their deceased loved ones blessed. Thank you for listening to the St. Patrick Catholic Community Homily Podcast. We are Christian Disciples in Mission, 